here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Captain, please, let me give you a sensitive. Wait a minute. You're... You're all with him. He's going to poison me, isn't he? F*** this! He's lost it! I'm... You'll all be arrested for mutiny! He's out of his mind, kind! Give him something! Get off of me! We have to bring the artifact back to Earth! The church needs it! Kind, you traitor! You're one of us! You were sent here by the church specifically to retrieve the marker! Just like me! You bastard! Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we take hold of our plasma cutter and take aim at the squiggling, wiggling limbs of poor executive decisions and bad edit cuts on action scenes and try to make sure that the meat that's left is just the good stuff of a video game film adaptation. I am Nick Moore, joining with me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanis. Wayne? Hey everyone, always happy to be here. And Mark? Hey, happy Canadian Thanksgiving. There you go. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy carving up your turkey as much as this film enjoyed carving up everyone on the yeah. space station. Yeah, there's our Thanksgiving special. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too late to air. There you go. This is relevant. <laughs> we watched Dead Space Downfall, an animated adaptation of the game Dead Space, uh, though not quite. We'll get into it, but it's not an actual yeah. adaptation. But it is based off of the Dead Space universe, background, whatever you want to call it. It is firmly planted in that aesthetic, and it is canonical. It is a direct kind of continuation, in this case a prequel, of the plot of the first game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it's animated like Bayonetta and Dante before it. There is good and bad to it. We will start with Wayne, since you are a a horror fan like myself, where you (laughs) have played the games, and I know Mark did not. Wayne, how did this stack up to the existing property? You know what? It, I think it's pretty solid. I think having played the games, specifically the first Dead Space, if you've played the first Dead Space, you'll probably like this film. If you haven't played the first Dead Space, it might be a little harder to follow. True. Like, Mark, I'm sure you'll get to that. But <laughs> having played Dead Space, I thought it was pretty awesome. It answered a lot of questions you had about kind of what happened and how did they get here other than reading some of the documentation that you find in the game. But yeah, this was, this was cool seeing an animated version of kind of what happened. So I like the film. It's, it's not fantastic. It's not bad. It's, uh, I think you said it before we even started this. It's a middle of the road movie. It's just, it's, it's a movie. I enjoyed it. I like it. Ironically, I own it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you and double dragon and in dungeon siege in the name of the King. There's not a video game film adaptation that you don't have somewhere in that house. You own gamer. Uh, I got a few actually. The gamers in that house. I secretly bought gamer. (laughs) You're collecting them so that other people don't accidentally buy them. You're a patron saint. Yeah. (laughs) Mark, as someone who came into this fairly fresh, because, you know, as we've discussed, you've played a little bit of Dead Space, but you haven't really cleared any of them. How is it for the layman who doesn't really know this stuff coming in? 
so I guess <laughs> the negative downside is I think the game, uh, the game, <laughs> the movie is guilty of assuming you've played the game. Agreed. Because there's a lot of things it doesn't explain well enough for someone who's never played it that I am utterly lost. I had to kind of watch it as just someone trying to watch a movie. It wasn't bad. Again, it's middle of the road. The voice acting was kind of annoying to me, but I was impressed mm. at some of the tone. I obviously can't quite capture that vibe Dead Space had, which, you know, made me literally never want to play it. I didn't want to have a heart attack. <laughs> but it did capture a little bit of that vibe. And I was shocked at the, the goriness of it, like how well they animated people getting ripped apart. It was almost a weird fetishish thing oh, yeah. to do where it'd be like, okay, okay, sure. animation. Oh, someone's being ripped apart. They brought in a whole other animation team. It seemed like they were amazing. Like, But uh, it was all right. It's an all right movie. Well, I'd have to say I agree with you about the difference in animation because this movie is strange. You'll have points in the animation where it feels almost cheap or like it feels like they're kind of using stilted animation in terms of your normal stuff, like someone running down a corridor or monsters kind of creeping up on someone. And then a member of the space team will get attacked and all of the money is poured into that. <laughs> Yeah. Anytime someone, whether it be a monster or one of the inhabitants of the space station is in mortal danger, they spare no expense. You're seeing all kinds of stuff fly out of people, limbs going in multiple directions. The money shot seems to be the only shot that matters in this, mm -hmm. yeah. but at least it does matter, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Myself, I enjoy it. Again, I come to this knowing the, the story of Dead Space fairly well. It does make it a lot easier for someone who's played the game to fill in the gaps if you didn't take the time to sit there and listen to every audio log or read every yeah. piece of documentation, which I didn't. in video games, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of those. I went through some of them on Dead Space, but it's not exhaustive because yeah. there's too many. And, and a lot of it is dry. Like you'll have really important stuff, but then you'll have an email between, you know, two co-workers where it's two pages long and it's just to give you like the flavor of the story. Stop. I don't need it. This yeah. boils down what happened on the Ishimura far better than the game does, because in the mm -hmm. game you start off Ooh. checking out what happened to the Ishimura. It sent it a distress signal and you want to find out what happened. And spoilers for those who don't know, it's overrun by terrible demonic creatures that have basically blades for limbs and they're awful. They just want to rip you apart or infect you so you turn into them. They're terrible, horrible space demons. But the game doesn't give you any real backstory as to where they came from. And this anime really tries to fill that in and does a pretty admirable job in terms of filling in those plot gaps and in terms of making you at least care somewhat about a group that you know are going to die before this is over. Mm -hmm. Because if you played the game, you know the Ishimura doesn't have a lot of people on it. And this space station, this this spaceship starts with a lot of people on it. That's interesting to me because it fills in gaps for you. And though I, I know Dead Space follows it, this movie itself left several gaps for me. Yes, it because does. Because I, I, I was like, hey, what's going on there? Hey, but why are they doing that? And I, I never found out the answer. And that's one of the faults. So maybe you guys can fill that in. Maybe you guys can fill that in for me. I, like, why are they lugging that giant rock? Oh, wow. That's a little deeper. That, that Now we're getting into the unitologists and, and understanding what they are and why they're doing what they're doing. 
Uh, actually, just to inter- intervene there, Nick, Dead Space, the game Dead Space Extraction, did you ever play that one, the rail shooter? I did. I got about halfway through it, and it was pretty fun. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is that not a prequel? Is that not take place on the colony and then into the Ishimura? So I never played it, so I don't know how it ties in with Downfall or if they contradict each other. I don't think they necessarily contradict each other. I think that Downfall is more of an adaptation of Extraction than it is of actual okay. Dead Space. So I think it's go. along the same lines. So okay. it is still an adaptation, I suppose, yeah. but I didn't get through yeah. that entire game. I preferred your third-person Dead Space ones. The rail sure. shooter was okay, but having it for the PS3, I never found that the move controller aims as well as I'd like. Yeah. They should probably remake it for the PS4 with the VR, and I'd do better on it. I don't know. But I do appreciate that this one really delves into the unitologists quite a bit more because mm-hmm. they're just a creepy human faction that show up two-thirds of the way into the first game. Like yeah. I think it's one mad scientist reverend dude that you deal yeah. with. And other than that, mm-hmm. they're not really a major player. They are a huge antagonistic force in this film, and they're a big part of why things go horribly wrong. Yeah. Now... To answer your question, Mark, at the beginning of the film, first you have, and I don't like when films do this, it feels like a crutch, starting with something near the end where most of the Ishimura is dead and your lead character is sending in a message to everyone, don't come here, this is a terrible mistake, and then we flash back to how it happened. Please, please, Hollywood, stop doing this. Trust that we will sit through your hour and a half movie that you don't need to show us the ending first. Jesus (laughs) Christ, stop doing it. (laughs) That's the end of my rant for today. Until yep. the next time they do it. I really Thanks hate it. Thanks for joining us. I really hate <laughs> yeah, it. No, it's been fun. It's such a lazy trope. Just have faith in your audience. Oh, and they do it so much. Oh, anyway, after that stupid part, when you actually have the slow build, you have a group of humans off of a spaceship. They're, they're mining from this planet where they found the artifact. And the artifact is this 100 foot tall, it looks like, monolith with runes written all on the side of it picture the monolith from 2001 but it's red and black instead of pure black and it's shaped more like the the monument in washington dc if it spiraled up at the top and looked like it was made by satan that's really what it is (laughs) the washington monument made by satan two two washington monuments spinning together two because yeah they're entwined (laughs) together yeah and you have that already on the Ishimura, the main spaceship that they're using to mine this planet, but they're also lifting a gigantic chunk of the planet with the spaceship because there's other artifacts and possible things related to the artifact in there. So it's easier to just pull the whole chunk of that up and take it back because they they don't want to necessarily interfere with it. It's technically a holy site in the mind of the Unitologists. You can't just take a rock and scoop it all out. It has to be preserved and brought back to Earth so it can be deified. And again, to kind of help out with Mark's question, from what I remember, yeah. the, the quick way to explain it is unitologists are basically a giant religious organization that, that believes humanity was created by an alien race. That's really the short, okay. quick version of what unitology is all about. And of course, they when they see something like the marker they and what the marker could do, they're drawn to this because they believe this is part of finding out what it is that made us and that we should be, you know, a typical religious cult thing when they right. when they find stuff like this. In all fairness to the Unitologists, when they find the marker, when they find the artifact, it doesn't just look imposing. It's giving off a psychic 
feedback. So if you're religious and you stand in front of this thing, you're feeling the effect of it. So you're buying into it even more. Oh, so in the game, the more religious you are, the more it affects you. Because you're more open to it. Because I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. It just seemed like it was affecting everyone. Yeah, in theory, if you're more open to it, you'll probably fall quicker to it. And also just proximity to it. So the closer you're getting to the marker, the more it's starting to mess with your mind. And they show that really well in this with Mm -hmm. they've taken the marker, they've put it on the the ship and they've sent it up. But everyone who's on that colony on the ground, they've all been driven mad and they've all murdered each other. (laughs) Not because the demons have even shown up, the space demons, they've just gone insane and murdered each other. And when they send a team down to... Find out what's going on down there. You've got a couple of scientists go down. And I'm only going to point this out because I thought this is a really great positive that unfortunately turns into a negative as we get into the film. The first scout team that goes down are really smart. (laughs) They show up down there and they're looking around the area where they found the artifact. And one of them says, look at this, this whole cave structure down here. We were told that this is a natural cave formation, but you can see chemical weathering happening along the walls. That's not natural. And there's marks along here that are in an exact 45 degree angle, three of them. That matches the kind of indentations that some of our old machinery would use from like stuff they haven't used in 150 years. But we're told we're the first ones here. How is that possible? That's a really smart Mm -hmm. scout team. Yep. Yeah. Later on, we'll get to the dumbest security Meanwhile. force I've ever seen in any film ever. Yeah, this is they're amazing. And I've seen Jason X. <laughs> they're really stupid in this, but the scout team, they're <laughs> on the ball. They're really smart. But then they come across the destroyed colony that's down on that planet that was initially mining it. So you have these two smart scouts, and the second that they have to deal with anything that isn't figuring out archaeology, they're idiots. They separate immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't he go to check on his wife or something? He goes to find Jen, yeah. his wife, girlfriend. I don't know what one she was, but his significant mm-hmm. other. And his buddy scout that's with him, his buddy engineer, he wanders off and you see a shadow scoot by and then his buddy is missing so we all know what's happened to him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the guy finds Jen he finds Jen sorry after we have a scene of the crazy man punching himself but we'll get to that poor Jen she is the best example in this of how the marker starts to mess with you yeah she comes sneaking up on him when he gets to her quarters and she's holding this awesome looking electrified pickaxe. I love some of the equipment they have. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. The pickaxe with like the laser sword kind of blade to it. Really cool. And she's walking up to him muttering, you know, they want my blood. They want my, uh, I can't even know if she says soul, but like they want our insides. They want our blood. They want our mm-hmm. minds. And then I thought she was going to attack him with the pickaxe. So did I. And instead she slices her own throat clean open and blood goes everywhere like she nearly Mm -hmm. decapitates herself that's commitment but he thinks there's a chance to save her yeah he he grabs the (laughs) body to this man he really does try to like he scoops her up he's trying to keep her head in the right spot he runs down a hallway holding her half decapitated body he really does try to to save her as he runs by, what was it, one hallway where you've got a severed leg in the ele- the sliding doors where it just keeps closing on them and opening back up again and closing on them? <laughs> so you know what I couldn't, uh, I, he's got an aversion to shutting the door, which mm-hmm. would have stopped this entire movie from happening. Well, 
when he's on his when he's on his way there, he sees something that freaks him out, and he goes literally sprinting to the room. But when he gets to the room, he leaves the door open, and I was like, "That's dumb." And then he runs back. It's like, okay, that's cool. And he gets onto the ship. And again, I noticed he leaves the door open. And I'm like, man, you're actively running from freaky shit that you've seen. Like, I don't know if I'm leaving the giant bay door open of the ship and the giant, like, you know, to the bedroom. But, and had he not done that, I guess the movie had to happen. There is a running theme in this film about leave the damn door closed. Yep. Because, yeah. as you said, he forgets to close the doors. And, of course, we all know that Jen's going to get back up and be evil. Though hers doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Mm. He jumps in his little scout ship to fly back up to the main Ishimura. And the captain of the Ishimura sees him flying at them after they've seen video feed of everyone dead on the colony. And says, yeah, we're not letting him in. Don't open the bay doors. <laughs> but our lead character, our strong female lead... She says every life's important, let him in, and dooms the entire facility. And look, yeah. I'm not mad at her because badly written strong female lead. I'm mad at her for being bad security. He is yeah. an unverified quantity flying at your ship who sounds unhinged over the radio after you watched everyone go mad and kill each other, and she lets him in. Yeah, she should never But let she him. doesn't Well she doesn't she insists on letting him really in. Really let him so. in. Yeah. She doesn't let him in. He flies into the ship. She own, argues long is... enough with them that they delay the order to close the doors. If there wasn't sure. that argument back and forth, the doors would have been closed sooner. Movie's over. She's an idiot, so the movie can happen. Fair. <laughs> Though, some really good flying by Crazy Man to, like, turn his ship sideways and slide through a narrow closing door opening and, and bring the zombie to everyone. Yeah, it didn't work so yeah. good in Wing Commander. No. <laughs> <laughs> This is how you do it. If he was there with Matthew Lillard, if he was Matthew Lillard's like significant other, if they were screwing, he'd have lived. Yep. Proving yeah, Rosie was landed useless. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was the same it was the same kind of landing bay too. Like right. if it's the ship kind of like down a little corridor. Guaranteed though, if he <laughs> crashed yeah. in front of it, this security person would have insisted push the ship in. Yeah. In, yes, in, not out. Moron. Anyway, one of the only problems I have with this film in terms of its logic, because it kind of goes against the logic of the games as well. When someone dies, they don't immediately become a monster. Right. There's those weird winged things that are supposed to fly over to you, latch onto you, and basically turn you into one of those monsters. Similar right. to like the head crabs in Half-Life, right? So mm. similar to those where, I mean, those ones, they're literally chewing your head off and becoming your new head. But these ones zombify you. You never see that happen to her. She slices her neck open, she it drops, does. and then she gets back up. Does that happen? I don't remember one of those things getting onto her. It's what flies through the ship because he doesn't oh, shut the ship. Oh, you're right. Yeah, one of those right. little things. No, he's right. I yeah, take it back. In, which is why I was like, idiot, if you shut the door, nothing happens. <laughs> right, right, I, right. You know, I apologize to Dead Space Downfall's writers. They got that right. Still the <laughs> dumbest security force I've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, take that back. But your monsters are consistent, and I thank you for it. <laughs> and that's why we do this. Well, either yeah. way, when she transforms, that's one of the first times you get to see someone actually like transform from dead body to horrible, freakish monster with blades for arms and legs. And this is one of the first times the film actually throws some money at it in terms of, well... I suppose it's still viscera. I mean, it's body horror, but it's not someone getting torn open. She's tearing herself open. It's a little different. Yeah. It looks really cool, though. Yeah. 
Like it's American yeah. Werewolf in London kind of stuff where you're just seeing everything stretch and rip open. I yeah. appreciated yeah. that. That was really cool. She gave herself consent. Yeah, like those are some of the highlights. Those are some of the real highlights of this movie. Again, it's when when they get to the gory part, they, they really knock it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Right. So I thought that was really cool. Now, going back a minute, the the crazy man that I mentioned, one of the things I really appreciate that this film does is the slow build to seeing things go horribly sideways. And that's one of the main reasons I don't like mm-hmm. that flash forward at the beginning. I feel like this would have been far more effective if, as the audience, you don't know how bad it's going to get. Because yeah. it starts off with, oh, the colony's full of dead people. Well, that's weird. Did something kill them? What happened to them? And it's not till later that you start to see the footage of they did it to themselves. The first hint you have of it is the crazy man who's been strapped down, the doctor and nurse trying to, like, subdue him. And when he pulls himself free of the table they have him strapped to, he doesn't attack them. He starts beating the crap out of himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's ranting like a lunatic and trying to bludgeon himself to death because the visions have driven him crazy. That's not a good sign for these people. No. <laughs> well, that's why it's so it, – what was jarring for me was the captain because at one point the scout's trying to get back onto the ship. The captain's making sense like, okay, we don't know what happened to them down there. So anyone who's been down there doesn't get to come on the ship anymore. we got to get the artifact back. So he seems somewhat reasonable if, at that you know, point. if not still a little callous. And then for me – I know that there's, they show you him changing. It just seems to, it seems to happen so fast until it just like accelerates when he finally loses his mind and you're like, whoa, okay. He's, he's all the way gone now. It, it kind I, of I thought it was fast, but I, I felt it was warranted. I mean, he's also got yeah. the stress of the entire ship, ship on him too, right? It's warranted <laughs> for a couple of reasons. We'll talk about that. So <laughs> because they're doing this slow build of things going wrong in the ship, he starts off fairly reasonable because they don't know the extent to how bad things are going. And as things get progressively worse, you see him handling it worse and worse. Also, if we're going to go into the theory that someone who's a unitologist is more open and therefore more susceptible to the marker, he is a unitologist. And Correct. other members of the crew, when they're questioning him, start bringing that up. And mm-hmm. he starts to feel mm-hmm. like, as he said, it's a mutiny. You're against me for my religious beliefs. And yeah. it starts to make him spiral. I think that opens him up to kind of I agree. going full crazy town by the end. So mm-hmm. I accepted it because of that. If he wasn't a unitologist, eh, it wouldn't have worked. It's not that I didn't accept it. And again, I had no idea that unitologists are more susceptible than others. It's just the fact that it was like, I was like, okay, to, to your point of slow build, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I see where this is going with him and his religious beliefs. And then it was just like, oh, okay, no, we're doing that now. Like that scene (laughs) where he goes from, this is what we got to do. Wait a minute, it's mutiny. And then it's like that scene plays out so fast. So it's really that scene was jarring to me because it was like, Mm -hmm. you could have let that build a little bit more. But it seemed that that was like instant. It was like instant. It's a mutiny. And everything went absolutely crazy after that. Well, what's funny is technically that's the second mutiny that's happening on the ship. Because earlier, you almost have a mutiny over everyone wanting to see and touch the marker, all the unitologists on the ship wanting to be able to, like, fondle the marker. And then the guy who voices Gorion in Baldur's Gate shows up as this eight-foot-tall, 400-pound man. Oh, wait, no, he's the captain. Yeah, Jim Cummings is the captain. This guy's like, no, 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 unitologists, we we have to be calm and show them that we can reason and we'll all have a chance at the marker. Just... 
just calm down and turn around. And I love that the second he gets them all to disperse and the mutinies is, uh, to subside, mm. he turns to the security force and goes, so uh, any chance I can touch the marker? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. It was all for his <laughs> own personal it. gain. That gave me a so, good laugh. Just the, can I see it for helping? <laughs> so I guess the doors on this ship don't lock. It seems that way. Is that... It's, it can. It's probably it just complicated, like locking, so nobody wants to do it. Yeah, like it seems like locking doors would really solve a lot of their problems. <laughs> they never seem to lock any doors. The security team no. never seems to clear a room and make sure that there's nothing in it. Uh, they never check anyone's no. backs. They constantly split up. They are just the worst security team I've ever seen. And for a security team, a seasoned security team, most of them seem to be on their first romp through space. Like, the one dude is clearly just a rookie. The punk-looking girl has never fired a gun, apparently, is what it seems like. Like, it just seems like a, a volunteer firefighter situation, which I commend your spirit, but maybe a little bit more training might be well, in order. And one of the things I thought was so strange is they kept going on about how we signed up to protect this ship at the cost of our lives. Oh, yeah. Fair. However... <laughs> Logically, if you're all dead, there's no one to protect the ship. So when you find yourself in a scenario where you're clearly outnumbered and your guns are not very effective, you would think it'd be time to beat a hasty retreat. <laughs> but I guess because they can't lock doors, they had nowhere to do, nowhere to go. I thought it was funny how for the whole beginning of the movie, how, how strict she was on, yeah, we got to save everybody everybody matters this is what we're here for and then the at the first sign of trouble it was kill everybody we got to kill everything oh, <laughs> she does an about face that is it's a borderline heel turn villain like yeah. i she's really inconsistent in this film which is frustrating because she's supposed to be the character that the audience is following and she always seems to make the wrong decision simply so that the ishimura can fail I know it's a prequel. I know that this is supposed to end with the Ishimura in trouble so that Isaac can be on there like, and it can mm. continue his story. But you don't have to have someone intentionally screwing things up worse at every turn. Like even later on when the main scientist on the ship goes, oh my God, we're infested. We're going to be overrun. We can't have this get back to Earth and goes to sabotage the ship so that it will crash back down onto the planet. She stops him. <laughs> She also knows that the ship yeah. is overrun. And she's like, yeah. no, 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 no. We we can't sacrifice everyone on this ship. Well, you're going to sacrifice everyone on Earth, you moron. <laughs> yeah, and it's sad because she doesn't need to be the person who's making all the all the mistakes, to, to your point. It could have been no. the captain. He set up for it It should already. have been the captain. So, so she could be the Ellen Ripley, the person who's making all the sense in the world, but no one's listening to you because yeah. you're outranked. Right. That's what they should have done. But and I thought they were setting it up that way. And then to your point, no, she's she's absolutely her own worst enemy. Which is infuriating because that's the character who should be saying the things that the audience is thinking. Your yeah. surrogate mm -hmm. character in the film, your audience character, should be saying what the audience is saying. So I have a question. And maybe sure. you guys know the answer to this. There's a point in the movie where every single escape pod gets launched. Who and what does that? Is that the is that the doctor that does That's that? That's the scientist making sure yeah. that nothing else can get. That's out. Who does that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's the scientist trying to make absolutely sure that nothing else can go wrong. And I think 
and bear with me because it's been a very long time since I've played the game. Oh, for sure. I don't so remember the scientist dying in this cartoon, and I think the scientist is still alive by the time you get to him okay, in the I'm game. Gl- I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that too. Yeah, he I'm runs away. I'm pretty sure he's we'll still alive. We'll find out in the remake. <laughs> yeah. The remake. So yeah. I'm excited to play again and find out, or I'll just oh, dust off my yeah. old copy, but I'm pretty sure you deal with that scientist at one point. Yeah. Uh, which, he's not the only yeah, character from the game to show up. Your girlfriend, Nicole, Ooh. is on the Ishimura before mm-hmm. you get there. It's the main driving thing for your character that you're looking for, and throughout the course of the game, you're having hallucinations about seeing her. She's the blonde with the the bob cut, who our main lead character is like, don't worry, you'll get out of this alive. Well, no, you yeah. won't. We know that Nicole's not <laughs> yeah. going to. Yeah. Uh, but hey, nice cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not nobody gets out of this well. Lost on me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that would have went right over you. And I saw I was like, totally. hey, I know that character design. Neat. But it <laughs> it's not something that really matters for anyone who's never played the game. It's just kind of a fun throwaway nope. thing. Yeah. But most it, of the it just scenes in this more. Most of the scenes in this are throwaway vignettes of just gore and viscera, like the completely pointless and yet hysterically awesome shower scene. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because you don't know or care about oh either of the two characters that are in it, the naked dude who's now attacked by big blob-looking monster, or the girl who's hiding inside the lockers that are in the shower. It's not like mm. a change room outside of it. They were, like, also <laughs> in where the shower was. Yeah. And yeah, then her running to get loose and... They play this up a couple of times, but the person who's just about to get to a door before they get stabbed, this film loves doing that gag. She gets penetrated right through the chest and then drops down and is the classic still dragging her nails across the ground as she's pulled back into the room. Always a good sight gag. (laughs) Maybe it's not supposed to be funny, but it is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's just because it keeps happening. Well, the only thing funnier is the continued almost running gag of what's Jen up to now. Like yeah. when you've got them on the bridge and I think it's our, I can't even remember her name, but strong female lead who's in there, whatever mm. her name is. Uh, when she, non Ellen Ripley, when she looks up and you just see crazy zombie Jen in the vent staring at her and then darts off. Yeah, that was actually a print. That was one of the more creepy shots in the whole. It's creepy. Film. But why doesn't she come down there and start attacking them? <laughs> like they're right there. Well, and that's why I got confused when the, the pods got launched. I was like, oh, is this zombie Jen running around launching the pods? Because I don't think you – do you see her again? Like, she just disappears. I don't know if you see her again. She pops up like four or five times, but I don't know if you ever see her die. I like to believe that zombie Jen is still out there causing trouble. Just having adventures. You you kill her in the game probably at some point. I, You know what? She's probably the first thing that you killed in the game. (laughs) Yeah, you just don't recognize her. She's the first one that you killed. That one in the elevator. Sorry, that first thing that pops up in the game is the reason I didn't play that game anymore. Because that's the most terrifying thing in a video game that ever happened. <laughs> and this, Next to Code Veronica. This anime does some of the same things. Like the ones that are playing dead until you get close to them. This does that. And mm-hmm. that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that weird oh, scene where you just have a bunch of the... What do you call them? Necromorphs? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, they're necromorphs. Thank you. Uh, When you've got a bunch of the necromorphs just piling bodies up on top of each other so they can basically just have like a buffet in one spot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they feel the the need to throw them into a pile before ripping into them, but it's kind of fun that they're organized. It is. It's interesting. They're smart. 
Well, and then you have <laughs> you have the big fight that proves that the necromorphs are infinitely smarter than our security team. Because who oh boy, do they suck in a fight? Yeah. <laughs> they the, really do suck in a fight. Well, like the rookie dude fails at reloading his gun. He's so yeah, he tr- completely befuddled it? by what's going on that he basically rolls a natural one on reloading and drops <laughs> the, the mag and then yeah. gets yeah. hit. And in one hit, he's knocked out cold. Mm-hmm. Not even yeah. stabbed. He's just cold cocked on the side of the head by one of those things. Rolled a natural and, one and the enemy did double damage. Yeah. And like Ooh. cyberpunk girl is basically off crying in a corner. Our strong female lead, she's at least fighting. She's okay. And then the crazy dude, the the blonde dude who's with them, he's already starting to kind of lose it with them over the course of that fight. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get a little bit weirder. And you would think the security team would pick up on, hey, other people, when they started acting weird, became murderous to humans. One of our own team is starting to act weird. Maybe we shouldn't trust him to cover our back while he's holding a weapon. And two minutes later, he slices Cyberpunk Girl from bottom to top like he's Dante and cuts her in half. How did they not yeah. see that coming? He wasn't yeah. hiding it. He, he was acting like a cackling lunatic. He doesn't cut her in half like, like Obi-Wan does to Maul. He splits her in two, like the exhibit at the science center, where you yeah. right down the middle and you can see two halves of her. It's It's crazy. Kung Lao splitting Natara in half. Like, it's top to bottom yeah. or bottom to top. I can't remember which direction he goes from. But well, he starts in the middle, then he goes up and he finishes it down. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I remember See, that. Because so her much body's time. healing and he finishes it. I was like, what is happening? So much time and effort put into the animation of that. <laughs> so much time. <laughs> There's some sick people here. <laughs> now, in the defense yeah. of this lousy security team, one of the th- <laughs> no, one, one of the things I think the show could have helped in letting you know why the security team sucks <laughs> is it fails because it makes it seem like the Ishimura is more of a military ship, but it's not. It's a mining ship. It's a planet cracker. Okay. I thought it was a military ship. See, that's a, the film makes it seem like it's a military ship, so there should be military security. They're not. This is a mining ship. That so is this, fair. This security team is just your basic run. They're probably only expected to deal with labor issues and wage issues. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not expected They're to. They're rent-a-cops. Exactly. And I think the film makes it seem military and that they should be smarter and better. So knowing that can help maybe justify some of their decisions or or why they are the way they are. Right. So what you're saying is basically they wanted to have like a strong security force and they got Paul Blart Mall Cop. (laughs) Correct. Well, and I got to be honest, I was everything they were doing. And in fact, some of the things they didn't do, both the security team and the bridge crew, I was literally like, is this a military ship? I, I didn't understand. No. See, that's fascinating to me because that almost changes some of the things I thought were dumb. Because I thought it was a military ship, I kept thinking to myself, you know, like you always see, again, they do this a lot in space movies where if there's a breach, you can seal a section. And there's a point when they get to the bridge and they're like, seal the bridge. And I was like, wait a minute, you could seal sections of this ship? That would have really helped. <laughs> about 30 minutes ago when you were being yep. overrun. And if you were the chief of security, you could have been like, oh, the mess hall is very badly overrun. Seal yeah. this deck. And it didn't happen. Instead, her brilliant decision is, we're going to line up and shoot everything on my mark. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> That's your plan? Right. 
I mean, the ship is full of. The, sorry, it's, there's no soldiers on the ship. It's just the the small no. group of security that's that's supposed to handle all of this. So that, there's a lot of things that that show you it's a mining ship. It, it's a planet crack. No that's why they set it there to planet crack to pull the sure the, the marker out of the ground. But it's not a military ship. But they never say that. They never explain it in the film. No. It does come across as a military, especially the bridge. All the officers look very military, right? So, well, you don't get a lot of mining crews talking about mutiny. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No. <laughs> and I had no idea. And see, this is what could, the whole movie this confused me. Like, it took till this podcast for me to know what was happening with that chunk of rock from the planet. Yeah, that's why we do this because, <laughs> because, like, as far as I could tell, they lift that piece of rock up into the upper atmosphere, no further. And then they just stay in orbit around the planet because the beams from the bottom are still shooting up and the beams mm. from the top are shooting down, which means you have to be lined up with it. And they never really move from that position for the rest of the movie. And so I was just like, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? They can't be taking it with them because they would have just flown into orbit, right? But it looks like, because at first I was like, oh, they're lifting this rock to the ship because I actually thought the artifact was still on the rock. So I was like, oh, they're bringing that in. But then they cut to a scene and they're like, wait a minute, the artifact's already in the ship. And I was just lost <laughs> for the rest of the movie about what this thing was, what its purpose was, what its function was, because they never explain it. So I was just like, oh, well, okay. Which is interesting because, Nick, if you remember, I, I, I'm trying to remember, this movie ends where obviously everything's gone to shit, <laughs> but the ship is still holding the rock in the atmosphere. But in the game, mm -hmm. when Isaac arrives, the ship is not holding that rock. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't remember. That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> I don't believe that it is. I don't, I don't recall it's still it holding it. Holding the rock. Yeah. No, I don't believe that it is. But this movie ends with I it still holding. I thought Ishimura is floating in space when you find it. No, it's above the planet. Like it's, when you... it's, it's it's above the planet, but I don't think it's holding the rock. Yeah. But I think her last act she mm. does there when she's messing about the ship and the marker, ah, she probably just knocks the rock loose. It's fine. I wouldn't think too hard about it. <laughs> well, the Necromorphs are smart. They probably sent it back to the planet. And besides, you can throw you can throw all the plot problems in the world at me, but Irons, the big unitologist dude, has a chainsaw made out of light, and Which that negates cool. so any cool. problems that I have with yes, the film. Yes, the lightsaber chainsaw <laughs> is the coolest thing in this world. It's, it's and the awesome. sound it makes. It's yeah. really awesome, and it's yeah. almost as awesome okay. as the screaming tentacle baby that they have to fight. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Tentacle Baby because we got to talk about Isaac's sacrifice later because I don't get it. So. <laughs> His sacrifice, I can explain to a degree, uh, but Tentacle Baby is amazing because it only really shows up for one brief moment. And we've seen yeah. so many horrific versions of babies. And now you have a baby walking yeah. around with tentacles coming out of it so that it effectively is a spider baby, another version of one, because it's got eight limbs. It's just four of them are tentacles. Well, Mark, you, well, never played, again, you never played the games, but in part two on the space oh. station, you actually go into a nursery. You go through a nursery and they explode <laughs> when they get too close oh, yeah. to you. It's amazing. See, it's so good. And like, I, I had a lot of questions again, because I was like, is this a military ship? Where are their babies on it? Where did they get tentacle babies from? I was just lost. I was like, why are there tentacle babies at all? <laughs> I think that was more paying homage to the second game. Yeah. And uh, some of those areas do exist in the first game. They just don't really delve into why they exist in this, whereas a lot of the yeah. back matter in the game does explain why you need, for example, a long-standing ship to have a hydroponics 
divisions so that you have oxygen mm. going through and plants to eat and all those things because that's where they are when they find the tentacle baby. It's just a baby was grabbed a hold of by one of those monsters. Enjoy. Yeah, like the, the hydroponics made sense to me immediately when I saw it. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's smart. They grow their own that food. Is. Yeah. And then I saw a baby and I was like, oh, where did that come from? Oh, well. And I just stopped thinking about it because it was a vicious, cool <laughs> death. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, on the bridge, you have the mutiny, the actual mutiny, which has two notable, yeah. wonderful parts. First, the sound of what you assume are going to be monsters banging on one side of the, the door to the bridge. And <laughs> just the, can they get through? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And something that was bothering me throughout most of this film, and this is a nitpicky thing, but one of the things I really like in the game Dead Space, the suits that you wear have yeah. this glowing spinal column on your back that's glowing blue, and it's supposed to indicate the life signs of the wearer. So that in the video mm-hmm. game, when you get hit, because you're seeing the character from behind, you have an immediate visual tell of the remaining health of your character that's in world. You don't have a heads up display you can physically see, oh, Isaac has taken some damage. Now this thing's down a couple of pegs and it's yellow instead of blue. And up until this point in the anime, multiple people have died wearing these jackets and it stayed blue and it annoyed the piss out of me. Yeah. And I had just written it off as they must have missed it. They must have forgotten that. Oh, well, I'm being nitpicky. And then, and then when the mutiny happens and the captain gets into a tussle with the scientist and the scientist accidentally stabs him in the eye with a sedative needle, watching the captain fall down, and then the spinal thing ticking down from blue to yellow to red mm-hmm. to dead. It's like, you didn't forget it at all! You're just lazy, you bastards! <laughs> I was so mad. Well, yeah. and, and then... But at least they did that, it once. That scene, that scene was a little uneven, too, because it seems like clearly the captain's lost his mind, clearly the bridge is mutinying, and clearly everyone can witness the captain attack the doctor with the syringe. They clearly witness the accident as he falls and immediately are like, you killed the, the, the oh, captain. Yeah. Like, as soon as you he's saw dead. Him not kill the captain. That was treason. He's like, it was an accident. Was it? You had it in for him yeah. from the start. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I was like, what? The same people that were backing the doctor immediately turn on him the second the captain's yeah. dead. It was startling. That whole scene is do it that whole purpose. scene is jarring to me. That whole he probably scene did do it on purpose. What if he? He's did always to hated do it on the unitologists. Huh? Huh? I think yeah. you're right, Wayne. It There's was on purpose. Yeah, what was in that syringe? Treason. Yeah, cheese. Treason. But it was a suitably tense moment in the film because they had yeah. kind of built the adversarial relationship between the captain and that doctor, where they don't seem to get along, but professionally they have to. And as things are going worse, they get along less and less and it comes to a head there. It just, you know, ends worse for the captain than the doctor. Because as soon as they're going to take him away for treason, that's when something's banging on the doors. And of course, it turns out to be the security team or at least what's left of it. God, they are useless. (laughs) What's left of it. So can we back up to the the death of our friend with the cool lightsaber chainsaw? Well, that's what's coming up next. The rescue mission that leads to his death. That happens after oh, the bridge. Oh, that's the rescue mission. Trust after me, I'm not skipping okay. it. Oh. Yeah. The death of Irons, yeah, that's it. a good moment. Yeah, yeah, so it's a cool death. You have, oh no, there's a bunch of people trapped and we have to rescue them because, again, 
her heart, I guess, is in the right place, but maybe just scuttle the ship and move on with life. But no, 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 let's let's save a few. So they go to, to save a few and Irons, the big, huge dude, sees a bunch of those monsters coming down the hallway and all provide a distraction. And he takes on, I want to say, like 40 of those monsters somewhere along those lines. <laughs> I, I have no punching idea. <laughs> them and slicing them and fighting like a madman taking them down until he is exhausted and can't fight anymore and looks back and can see he's lasted just long enough to get everyone out of there distraction wise bear in mind he's a unitologist he firmly believes that these things are supposed to elevate you to a higher calling he yeah. drops to his knees and says a prayer about how his fight is over and he welcomes them taking of his flesh and helping him ascend it is creepy and poignant, and I don't know what to think of it. <laughs> it's good My and only, bad at the uh, same time. It's so wild. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought it was so... It, it was, again, it's very reminiscent of, like, Aliens 3, where... What's that guy's name? Charles S. Dutton is fighting yep. the alien, like, fist to fist. Like, it, it reminded me very much of that, like a last stand yeah. type thing. Yeah, it's not I the just hardest wasn't bike. really sure... <laughs> I wasn't really sure it was necessary, because I thought those aliens were banging on the door. And later, they sneak by them. And I was like, oh, well, couldn't you have snuck in and then snuck out? Like, I don't understand why he was like, I'll distract them. Other than, you know, the movie hadn't killed someone in a little while. Because if he didn't, (laughs) she wouldn't be the only one left. (laughs) Fair. Fair. Well, it'd be 20 more minutes until she was the only one left. Yeah. Yeah. Though at this point, I think it's just her and Ramirez, the rookie who managed to get knocked out and still live. And then he hotwires a door for her. The monsters are easily way behind them. And he's like, no, no, no. I can feel it affecting my mind. You go. I'll buy you more time. And I thought, okay, this is his one cool moment. He gives a speech about how he's always been a coward and he's got to stand up for himself. But the second that he forcibly shuts the door so that she can run away, the second those doors close, ah, he's dead. He's dead. The second it closes. No heroic moment other than getting her through that Like, so at least true. Billy in Predator gets five seconds before the Predator kills him. Yeah. This guy is immediate. Yeah. Like, I, so what was true. the point? I, I thought the same thing. Did not understand he that at provided all. provided 0% of a delay because he didn't even put up a fight. He could have done the same thing <laughs> he, from the other dies. side of the door. <laughs> He dies so fast, she hasn't moved when they're banging on the door, denting it. Right. That's how fast he dies. If only the doors were made of transparent aluminum. That would have been awesome. <laughs> see him. But like, oh my God. So oh, freaking dying. useless. And then she gets to the marker and finds out that the necromorphs won't go near it. Yeah. Which, a late game thing to find out, but you think that would turn into something interesting for the plot it really just gives her a chance to recuperate and catch her breath. She just hangs out yeah. by the marker. Yeah, they can't get close to the marker, but it's it, they can still get close. It's not... They can like, get close, they, like 20 within feet, 10 feet, maybe. <laughs> but not close enough to hurt her. Yeah. What I was hoping they'd do with it, and they, they kind of hint towards it, but they don't make it explicit enough. Realistically, she's in the closest thing to a safe zone at that point. Why mm-hmm. leave? Why leave when you're still exhausted? Like, why not take a few hours to catch your breath? What I was hoping they would do is have more strong psychic emanations come from the marker and start affecting her to a point where she feels like, I can't risk being near this thing. I have to do something now. Yeah. And they 
they don't. And I feel like that's kind of a missed opportunity. Instead, she just goes, all right, well, mm-hmm. I had five seconds to, to catch my breath. Time to run back out there in a desperate bid to stop the necromorphs. It didn't feel like there was any stakes for running out there. Just hang back for another minute. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't really sure what the purpose of her running out there was. Because she's really just running out there to draw them closer to the doors. But it's a vacuum. Like, yeah. if you open the bay doors, it doesn't matter where they're standing. They're going to leave. She could have clung to – she could help. She could have put that, that monolith between her and the bay doors and probably survived the venting of the atmosphere. There are so many so ways weird. she could have survived that last act of hers of I'm going to open up the bay doors to suck everyone into space. She could have mm-hmm. climbed inside the ship that she was on when she did it, like the little yeah, I pod. Was, which I thought that's what she was going to do. She could have gotten behind something like the marker. Instead, she just looks surprised when she gets sucked out into space. Mm. <laughs> she looks shocked. <laughs> like, you're the one Genuinely who did this. Shocked. This was your plan. Why do you look surprised? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I She's so dumb. She's so dumb. That's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Oh, and so true. There's no proof at any point in this. They don't really learn anything about how to actually effectively fight the necromorphs or what weaknesses they have. Jokes on her. They can survive in the back, the vacuum of space. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> uh, like awesome. in the game, you're on the surface of the ship fighting them and yeah. they don't need oxygen to live because <laughs> no. they're dead. So. <laughs> As someone who knows what's going to happen, it just seems like the dumbest plan. It's ironic because if she knew that, she wouldn't have done it. So it's a really good moment of irony for anyone who's played the game. But Mm -hmm. it is the stupidest plan the more you know about that. Yeah. And further proof that the, the security team is dumb as a bag of hammers. The only one who has any effect against them is Irons because he's got his gigantic light sword chainsaw thing. And shows slice off the limbs and they die. Because that's the only way to kill these stupid things. You can shoot them Mm. all you want. You have to dismember them. Do they learn from this? No, they continue to shoot everything as much as they possibly can and waste bullets. They're so dumb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're so dumb. And that's that's the part that started to bother me. Because I was just like... They're making minimum wage, guys. Come on. Yeah, but but again, in my defense, this is when I thought they were actual professionals. Minimum wage and maximum collateral damage. So... Some rent-a-cop red shirts who <laughs> went into space. I thought they were actually good at their jobs for a bit. And when I thought they were good at their jobs, I was like, you're shooting everything center mass and killing nothing. Maybe your plans should no longer be, let's form a firing line because it's not working. Oh, my God. <laughs> How about we all get lightsaber chainsaws? Because I doubt that it's some special thing that he picked up. The pickaxe was a laser no. pickaxe. Odds are all of the mining equipment is really good slicing stuff. Just get that melee your way to victory. They do go get it. And it kills me because in the game, none of the weapons, actually, I apologize, one weapon in the game is legitimately a military weapon, the assault rifle. And it's the most useless weapon in the game. All of the really effective weapons are mining equipment. (laughs) But they stop at one point to go get them. After they clear the mess hall, they're like, go get us some weapons. And then they each have one, which is how the guy is able to cut the girl in half. Because he's wielding one of those light chainsaws because he's like, ooh, they left me with this toy. Like, legitimately, they all went and got one and then, again, forgot they had or forgot they were effective. So they stopped carrying them. I don't know one or the other. And don't get me wrong. 
I know I'm ragging on that one specific aspect of it. Overall, I really enjoy the film. It's got a great sense of mood, an imposing dread, character designs are on point, and the individual characters, with the exception of whatever her name is, main security woman, they're all interesting characters that at least you kind of like and you want them to live, even though you know they're not gonna. It's just the security team (laughs) exists to make the plot happen. It's kind of like so watching, uh, like watching Rogue One, right? You're watching a yep. prequel to a film where they're introducing all these characters where you're like, okay, well, none of these guys are going to live, so don't get too attached. <laughs> right. But the smart thing to do in a case like that, Rogue One tried to spend less time about what are we accomplishing as a team and more about what's driving each character so that you actually yeah. feel sad for them when the characters die. If you're going to have a prequel where the outcome is known, the only way to overcome that is to have the journey matter more than the end so that you really do feel a pang of sadness when they go. This does not do that with her. It does it with Irons. I feel bad when he dies. (laughs) Yeah, he's the only one you care about. I felt worse for the captain of the security team. Because you know what? That was a mutiny. (laughs) And also, but at least in Rogue One, when they all died, it was for the greater good. They all died here and things got worse. (laughs) They died for poor the greater Isis. good of giving me a really good video game to play. Yeah, that's about it. But poor If Isis. they did a good job, and I'd have no game. Well, and they may as well have lived for me because I never played the game. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Are there any closing thoughts, anything we've missed that either of you would like to bring up? Uh, the only closing thought I have is on the creative side of it. If you remember the trailer for the first Dead Space game, it was a very 70s grindhouse trailer i don't know if you remember okay. that and i will i actually wish the film had a 70s grindhouse look to, oh, it to okay. match that trailer that leads into the game right yeah i think That'd the style cool. would have suited this film better than the style they chose 100 percent. that would be awesome yeah, yeah that would have been cool i guess as a as a non-player of the game my only two cents on it is you got to play the game for this to maybe be a bit more enjoyable i, I was yeah. i was left confused a lot watching this movie um so yeah. it's still watchable but i was confused a lot <laughs> like a lot yeah if you played the game i would recommend it if you didn't play the game i would say just yeah side on the air of caution going in <laughs> yeah i would describe this as a great compendium for anyone who's played the game and mm-hmm. wanted more of the backstory without having to sit through audio and text logs this is a really yeah, I, easy way yeah. to digest the backstory of it without having to sit through those but yes, if you're a layman coming into it, it is not going to treat you kindly. Yeah, you're going to yeah. have questions. Unfortunately, there's Sounds. a lot of stuff it just really doesn't doesn't explain to an extent that I think would be fair. So it does not stand on its own particularly well. But as a compendium piece, it has some true merit. And a really dumb security force. God, they're stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but tone and action, we all know I'm right. you know, I like. The, to- the tone yeah. and the action of it, I still enjoy I just yeah, and the voice actor for the movie. most part is really good. Like you said, Jim Cummings is the captain. He's a great he's, voice actor. He's legendary, and he's really good at someone who slowly goes crazy. He's mm. good at that. There's a reason Disney uses him for yeah. villains. Yeah, that is actually my number one complaint about the main lead. I could not stand her voice acting. It bothered me the whole time. So you're like the comms guy it. that starts off by giving her the finger. Maybe yeah. he's the audience yeah. surrogate. Maybe the yeah. calm guy is the one standing in for the audience. <laughs> By the end of it, yeah, he is. That's, yeah. that's how I felt about her. I can't remember how he dies. I just know that he did. Oh, well. 
We'll miss you, comms guy. Hmm. I don't think they show it. Ah, uh, he they has to die. There's what no way he lives. No one lives. No, they don't show you what happens to the bridge crew. She she goes off on her adventure, and I don't think they show you what happens to the bridge crew. I don't think they I'm going to believe they all made it home safely. God bless the bridge crew. Yeah, sure. I can't, because I've never seen the game. So, as far as I know, when she vented them into space, she won. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't happen. No. (laughs) I can't believe a story where she won. She's just too dumb. But we'll draw this one to a close. And when we come back, we'll be back just in time for Halloween, and we have found a video game film adaptation that is Halloween enough. Werewolves Within based off of the PlayStation VR game because we're digging deep to find something Halloween themed here. It counts. It totally counts. (laughs) But we thank you all for joining us on Press X Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me, as always, Mark Athanis and Wayne Brissett. Gentlemen, thanks for having us. Yeah, have a good one. See you in the next one. (laughs) Catch you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Furyk and performed and realized by Sam Furyk. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next stage.